Stream the show on demand at KetchikanRadio.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to the First City Forum, brought to you by Providence Properties and Southeast Alaska Orthopedics. I'm your host, the one and only Joe Williams, and in the studio today, I have with me my friends from the American Red Cross um, in Alaska. We have Pam Roth, we have my friend Britta, and we have my friend Bridget, and Brian is in the studio. How's it going, guys? Great. Thank you, Joe. I'm really excited to have you guys here. And because, you know, uh, the American Red Cross does so much work in this country and around the the, the world for, for the betterment of all of our lives. And we're here to talk about a few different things. First of all, how are you today, Pam? I'm great, and the sun's out today, so I'm even better, Joe. So we have Pam Roth in the studio. Everyone knows Pam Roth. And we also have uh, Bridget and Britta on the microphones today, and Brian's sitting off to, off to, to the side for any uh, commentary we need him for. Hello, Brian. How are you? Doing great. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the role of the American Red Cross. Yeah, so the American Red Cross's mission is to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies through the power of volunteers. Uh, and so 91% of our workforce is volunteer-based. Volunteer service is one of our fundamental principles. It gets at the key of the humanitarian principle. Um, and so that's what we do throughout the nation. What that looks like on the ground is we have in Southeast Disaster Cycle Services. So emergencies and all that that entails in a three kind of step cycle for us which is preparedness response and then recovery and so we're always trying to do those three things preparedness response and recovery so oh sorry oh what that looks like in Ketchikan for the preparedness is there are we do have some volunteers in Ketchikan that are trained that can go in and like do fire safety in the schools for example um, and the immediate uh, disaster response, we work closely with the fire department. So if there's a fire and those families have need for some assistance from us, we do immediate disaster um, response, go to the fires. Um, recently with the landslides, we mm. could possibly shelter. Um, and as far as the long term in Ketchikan, oh, we do have some partnerships for, you know, sheltering and making sure that we have those kind of things uh, in place in case that th those kind of things happen. Yeah, you know, I'm always amazed at the things that happen here. You know, over the last few years, we've had quite a few uh, disastrous house fires and different things like that. So uh, organizations like the like the American Red Cross, where you have those resources, are of the utmost importance. I want to ask a little bit about uh, your role in disaster relief and how the whole pandemic that's been happening has, has kept you guys going uh, and what have what has what has the pandemic done for your organization? Uh, so this is Britta, disaster program manager, based out of Juneau, but I'm for um, all of Southeast. I started my job during COVID, and mm. what I have observed is that it has demanded that we be flexible, which is one of our <laughs> ways of being. It's just a value we have, which is being flexible, but it's challenged our... Um, it's challenged the way we operate in the sense of really focusing in on what is it the mission that we are here to do and how do we protect ourselves and each other so that we can continue our mission. Um, and we've had to be really creative with it. Some benefits have been the move to virtual has allowed mm. us to strengthen as geographically as a region. And so that's been a pro. It's also allowed us to be a bit more inclusive and accessible for different communities mm. that maybe wouldn't have access to the Red Cross before. So while there have been some challenges for the Red Cross, there have been 
some pretty significant benefits as well. Now, with COVID and everything happening and people being afraid to go out and being afraid to sort of interact for such a long time, have you had trouble finding volunteers? We have had some difficulty finding volunteers. We do have our solid volunteers like Pam Roth and Paulette who have continued to go out on deployments during the pandemic. So I know um, Paulette LaBerge, who is our disaster action team leader in Ketchikan, she went several times down to the south last year to deploy. Um, yeah, that's one of the other things we do is we, we deploy out of here. So, for example, I deployed to California for the Paradise Fires. I've been on the East Coast for uh, hurricanes. And wow. most recently, uh, so Britt's my new um, program manager here in Alaska, and we never met each other, but we were both on deployment in Texas um, dealing with uh, the border situation, and we met down there. You know, face, it's a reunion. Yeah. Reunited. It, was, it, it feels was, so yeah. good. But yes, that's the other thing um, that I do want to talk about. We really do need volunteers yes. in Ketchikan. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's uh, and that's kind of what we're going to put out here today. So, uh, so we're, we're we're here with the American Red Cross for those just tuning in with us today. We have Pam Roth, Ketchikan icon. We have Britta, we have Bridget, and we have Brian here as well. Um, so let's talk a little bit more. So we talked a little bit about the role of the Red Cross as far as um, an organization that aids with disaster relief, that aids with uh, with personal di personal disasters and sheltering, and uh, and so let's talk a little bit about the the partners of the Red Cross. Well, locally, I have some great partners. Uh, Britta uh, can talk more about the, you know, our, our bigger corporate sponsors or whatever. But in Ketchikan, I've had an incredible response. As you as you know, Ketchikan, they just come out and they oh, want to yes. they want to help people in need. And uh, one of my first partners here in town was Tongas Trading. Oh, very and nice. uh, Carl Biggerstaff, when I approached him, he immediately uh, said yes. Uh, since then, I've picked up. Uh, Madison Lumber and Hardware. Oh, beautiful, yes. And I have picked up, uh, well, the the Quilt Guild ladies, they're amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and I also have a rendezvous thrift store. And so if we have a disaster here locally, I give a referral to them and they walk into those businesses and those businesses are so generous with them. Oh, yes. And we had Tatsudas until they had their own disaster. Yeah. And so I'm looking for a partner to pick up that um, gap in, in, in need here, so... Yeah. And that's the beauty of Ketchikan, like like you, like you said, Pam. Um, when something happens here, this community comes together like something I've never seen before. It's almost like magic. It's really crazy when 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 someone's affected in this community. How tightly we come to, we come together. It's sort of like one big island family. It really is. And it's kind of funny because they are thanking me for the partnership. You know, they, they really value the, you know, ability to know and identify those people that are truly in need and they want to help. It's just incredible. Yeah, people love the opportunity to help here in Ketchikan for sure. So I don't want to uh, skip over the need for volunteers, though. So how, how do we go about volunteering? How do we go about finding volunteers? Well, partnerships and volunteer opportunities really depend on people's interests and um, what the program is. And so we have what we call steady state, which is just our normal operations during kind of blue skies, things feel good. And that's a lot of what Bridget does. And she can talk about the partnerships that she's looking for in Ketchikan, as well as the volunteers she's looking for. And then we have our gray skies, which is when disaster strikes mm. and what partnerships and opportunities are there in those situations. So maybe I'll give it a minute for uh, Bridget, who's our casework and preparedness specialist, to talk about partnerships and volunteer opportunities. Hi, and Bridget. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am Vero. Make sure you're right on that microphone. Um, and, so, and so what is your role with the Red Cross? 
Yeah, so I am in a JV AmeriCorps member here for the year, and I am working mostly on preparedness right now, kind of building up the volunteer base for the different programs that the Red Cross has. The Red Cross has a number of different programs. They have two youth programs, Prepare with Pedro for kindergarten through second grade. You follow Pedro the Penguin, getting ready for different emergencies, and you learn a lot about how to be prepared. Prepared Pedro, let's let's talk about that for a quick second. Yeah. I love that. So anything that can get children involved in, in, in the community and in being ready for any situation is super important. So Prepared Pedro, how do we find out about Prepared Pedro? So there's a lot of information on the Red Cross website. Um, you can find the storybooks and different animations that you can show your kiddos, but then you can also contact me and I can help set up a presentation for your school or um, youth group or anything like that. Perfect. And how do we contact you? Excellent question. So um, <laughs> you can email me at Bridget, B-R-I-D-G-E-T dot Vivoda, V-I-V-O-D-A at redcross.org. That's Bridget.Vivoda, V-I-V-O-D-A at AmericanRedCross.org? RedCross.org. At RedCross.org. That's Bridget.Vivoda at RedCross.org. And find out about Preparedness Pedro. That sounds amazing. If, if you have small children who you'd like to be prepared in case of fires, in case of uh, whatever it happens to uh, to come up, please contact Bridget. She would be our Ketchikan liaison uh, for a year, you said? Yep. Wonderful. So we, we're very happy to have you here. Welcome to Catch a Can. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, we, have prepared, we have prepared Pedro. What else do we have? We have also the Pillowcase Project for grades three through five, and it also talks about preparedness and talks about what to put in emergency kits, and both the youth programs also teach coping skills, which are always important, so the kiddos know what to do when they are stressed, but it's very important now given everything that's happening with COVID and things like mm, that. You know, that's such a big thing. I've been thinking to myself throughout this entire pandemic, this entire experience, what will this generation of kids be like? How will this have affected their levels of stress, how they're coping with stress, seeing their parents stressed, um, seeing th their community stressing, the, 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 the world stressed without a break, without having that outlet. Like they couldn't go to school for a year or however long and they, they had to stay in their houses leave can go play with their, their, their with their friends how will they socialize um so that is really nice so that is the pillowcase project for ages um grades uh three through five grades three through five and that is so important because even as adults we have uh trouble dealing with our anxieties and dealing with our emotional things mm -hmm. um so yes that's beautiful the pillowcase project and we can find all this all of this information out on the red cross and we can contact bridget at bridget dot vivoda that's v-i-v-o-d-a at redcross.org and what else do we have Bridget? We have um, our adult preparedness presentations. So uh, our adult program is called Be Red Cross Ready and it goes over general preparedness and a local hazard that can uh, that is applicable to your area and you learn about how to be prepared, what to do in case that emergency does happen and how to become more resilient so then you and your family would be able to um, recover quickly and um, be able to have those skills. Beautiful. And all this uh, information can be found at redcross.org. And we can contact Bridget, our Ketchikan liaison, specifically at bridget.vivoda. That's V-I-V-O-D-A at redcross.org. Do we have anything else, Bridget? 
yeah, we have two more programs. So we have the Ready Rating, which uh, helps um, small businesses, religious organizations, non-for-profits create an emergency plan so that they can develop um, their emergency plan so they know what to do when or if something happens. And then our last program is Hands Only CPR, which um, teaches individuals how to do chest compressions and use an AED machine so that they are able to respond in case there is an emergency. And of course, the last one is the reason why we are here for uh, Sound the Alarm or Home Fire campaign. Yes, I want to talk a little bit about the hands-only CPR. Because I had a situation just a few weeks ago. I was coming back to Ketchikan from Nashville, and I, was, mm-hmm. and I had a layover in uh, the Phoenix airport. And there was a woman in front of me on the moving walkway, and she was having an emergency. I noticed she seemed a little bit lethargic, a little tired. She was leaning on her back a little heavily, but I thought maybe she's just tired. Mm-hmm. But then as the minutes or even the, even the seconds pass, you can see her, her state sort of, de- sort of deteriorating until she finally collapses on the moving walkway. Her hair was, uh, was, was, was long and it was out on the walkway. We're reaching the end where everything sort of grinds in. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, her, her hair, she's, she's, she'll, she'll, she'll be scalped. Yeah. But that's not the most pressing concern, even because she right now she's not breathing. She's out mm-hmm. on the she's out sprawled out on the walkway, visibly struggling to 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 breathe until her breathing actually stops. Oh, wow. I I had no idea what was going on. I, the only thing I could think to to do was to remove her her mask so that she can breathe more 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 easily. Mm-hmm and call for uh, help luckily someone someone was able to find the um the the emergency switch to stop the moving walkway we were able to alert the authorities but i had no idea what to do as far as cpr and like how or or if cpr was even appropriate at, at that time yeah so um that is a very good example because there's not everybody is trained in cpr um so it is good to have some skills about how to respond or who even to contact when those things happen so that it um helps keep people safe if something does happen and people are able to respond more quickly. Yes, so we can find all this information um, at theredcross.org or, well, is it is it the Red Cross or just redcross.org? Redcross.org. You can find all this information at redcross.org, but we can contact Bridget specifically for, for school groups and, and for different things mm-hmm. um, at uh, bridget.vivoda, that's V-I-V-O-D-A at redcross.org. Thank you so much, Bridget. Now, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Sound the Alarm. Oh, so Sound the yes. Alarm <laughs> is um, the, um, our uh, program that we go to people's houses and um, ha- help t- test smoke alarms if they have them mm-hmm. and replace them if they're not working or install new smoke alarms if they do not have them. And this program is completely free for the individuals. Um, and then we also do some doorstep education so um, households know how to test their smoke alarms, know some common um, fire uh, prevention tactics, and um, also work with them to create a um, home fire drill. You do fire drills at school, at work, and it's also important to do fire drills at home. 
And we um, typically do this in May. I think the Red Cross nationally has a campaign called Sound the Alarm. It, it typically happens in May. But with COVID this year, Ketchikan didn't do it. Mm. And so we talked, we work closely with the fire department. And of course, you know, we're starting to have fires here recently. And it seems like going into the holidays, this happens. So we decided to do a soft rollout kind of to supplement the fact we didn't do it in May. And so we're here in town now. Uh, you can contact me. Uh, if you want on the list right now, we uh, will do it again in May, um, COVID willing. Right, right. For the and, and that is for sound the sound the alarm where you can come up with uh, with fire drills for your home, uh, which which are very important. I mean, as as we've all seen in in Ketchikan with the loss of the uh, Bradbury. Bradbury family. Um, Aaron McGovern just had a huge house fire. I mean, so many people who, who we know personally in, in this community right now have suffered greatly from house fire. So we need to have those drills. We need to be able to know what to do when these things happen. And we need to be sure that the smoke detectors are placed properly and that they're actually working. And that's one of the large things we do. We go in people's homes. We go in teams. We have the person that does the plan and has the clipboard. And then we have the guy with the screw gun. And he, <laughs> they, whoever they are, would you know do the installs or replacements. So sound the alarm. We can we can uh, get more information uh, about that and and uh, contact Bridget uh, uh, personally at Bridget dot Vivoda at redcross.org. That's V I V O D A. And on that particular one, you can get a hold of me here locally because I'm keeping a list, and I'm Pam Roth at redcross.org pam.roth at redcross.org we see Pam everywhere we all know Pam uh, so, uh, <laughs> or so, let me know I'll carry my clipboard <laughs> okay so I want to talk a little bit also about the shelter we have coming up uh, coming in Saxman we um, recently uh, we worked for I don't know a couple of years when Bridget came on uh, excuse me not Bridget Britta came on board we finalized a sheltering agreement with the city of Saxman with a community center out there and we recently received uh, supplies there we have cots we have blankets we have uh, comfort kits and we are set up out there in the case of a local disaster um, Paulette LaBerge who is our dat captain our disaster action team captain here is also the sheltering manager out there and we are ready if there's a mudslide or our I don't know, one of the condos catches on fire and there's a ton of people displaced. We have a shelter in the city of Saxman. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And they were very generous and it's a beautiful facility and it's absolutely perfect for us. And the Juno team gets to go see it hopefully today. Well, shout out to the people of Saxman. I remember when I first moved here um, and I got to see Saxman and all the beautiful totem poles and things. And I was told that there is a totem of, of Abraham Lincoln that uh, with a, uh, ye a yellow face. And it's there because I guess Abraham Lincoln made a promise uh, or something to the people of Saxman. Or to, to, I, don't, I don't know. the. Uh, I, I think it was actually William Seward, his okay. secretary of state. But yes, you've got the story very close. There we go. There we go. And so, uh, so Abraham Lincoln is uh, is not the most uh, favored figure in Saxon. Well, to to Seward's uh, defense, he they they threw this thing for him. He didn't know the custom. He didn't know that he was expected to reciprocate. He just he just didn't know the custom. You know. I've got to know the story. I need someone to come on and explain that full story. Talk to I, Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin. Oh yes, the the iconic and legendary Dave Rubin. I'll have to shout I'll, out to Dave Rubin. Shout out to Dave Rubin. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to ask him next time I see him. All right. Did we leave anything out today? Yes. Yes, we did. Oh, well, let's talk about it. <laughs> so we talked about um, how to volunteer for preparedness. I want to give a 
a plea, a request, whatever, to the community, we do need volunteers for local fire response. Okay. Paulette and I are pretty much the only ones here. We do have some people that are training that are almost there, but um, we do need some volunteers to help here locally. In the case of a fire, in the case of, you know, a, a local disaster, I know that people would come out of the woodwork if something happened, but I would sure like to have them, you know, signed up as a Red Cross volunteer. And once they're signed up as a Red Cross volunteer, then they do their training online to be able to have what they call a group, which is, uh, excuse me, a gap, which is a group activity position to, to be able to help out in those situations inside a catch can. And what kind of training is provided? Uh, I'll let Bridget, or excuse me, Britta, whichever one you guys can take that. <laughs> yeah, uh, so the training that's provided is one of the really awesome benefits of being a Red Cross volunteer. So when I think about what does the Red Cross have to offer communities, we really offer this um, development of self and of each other. And so we have these online trainings that are very tailored to getting certain skills for a certain position. And you can take as many as you want. They're free. It's a really wonderful opportunity to take responsibility for your own safety, for your family's safety, for your community. Um, and so you can do as many, you can get these gaps that Pam was talking about. And so some of them are just basics, like everyone is welcome. So it talks about the inclusivity of the Red Cross. We have psychological first aid. So it talks about the trauma and the crisis brain and how to support someone in emotion in varying levels of emotional reactivity or response. And then we have kind of honed in government operation fundamentals or logistics of shipping emergency supplies around the country or feeding or mass care. Uh, so you can kind of pick and choose where you see your strengths or where you want to develop strengths or where the community has found a hole and they need someone to step into that leadership role. We have a need here locally for the immediate disaster response to respond with the fire department. And I would sure like some more people here in town to be trained in sheltering, to be able to help and how to, and like Brit, um, Britta said, you know, the, uh, the fundamental, uh, pillars of the Red Cross, which is one of the reasons I'm with them and I love them so much, is uh, everyone is welcome is one of the first classes you take. And it's so inclusive. They, I mean, it's just amazing. They're just inclusive. And that's what really drew me to them in the first place. And the other thing is uh, Red Cross, and correct me if I'm wrong there, Brian, is, uh, is uh, donor dollar driven. And they don't take, you know, like fund, it, it's a donations. And um, that I love that about it, too. Beautiful. So if you're interested in becoming a Red Cross volunteer, please uh, contact us. Contact Pam Roth. That's Pam. Is, is it Pamela.Roth? Or Pam? Pam. Pam.Roth at RedCross.org. Or our catch can liaison, Bridget uh, Vivoda. That's Bridget.Vivoda at RedCross.com. That's V-I-V-O-D-A. Speaking of firefighters and fire rescue, we have a magic show going on for the volunteer fire squad of catch can ladies and gentlemen. I have, to, I have to talk about this because I have like 18 tickets to, to give away by, by Friday. It's very important. So, uh, so the world famous Las Vegas legend Don Russell will be at the Ted Ferry Civic Center on Sunday, the 21st of November. That's this Sunday at 4 p.m. So please, you can find tickets for this show at uh, Safeway and at uh, AMP, uh, or they're $20 at the gate. So they're $10 at uh, Safeway or AMP. 
twenty dollars at at the gate, but we're giving them away at the station for free. Just call in 907-247-2000. I will literally give you up to five of these tickets. I have to give these uh, give these away if you if you want them. Call in. I'll give them to you. Each ticket um, uh, admits two children or one adult, and it's just a fun time, a fun thing to do on a Sunday. Bring your kids, bring your grandkids, bring yourself. It's gonna be a great a lot uh, a great time. Okay, <laughs> now that that's out of out of the way. Did we leave anything out? No. Join the, as a volunteer for the Red Cross and call us if you need um, home fire safety. Sound the alarm. Yes. Okay. So we have Pam Roth, we have Bridget, and we have we have Pam Roth, Bridget Vivoda, and Britta. I didn't get your last name. Tonneson. And Britta Tom- <laughs> Tonneson. We also have Brian. Brian was here just to be uh, be a part of this a magical moment, right, Brian? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so if you would like to join the uh, the volunteer fire squad with the Red Cross, please contact Pam Roth. That's Pam dot Roth at redcross.org or Bridget Vivoda. That's Bridget dot Vivoda. V I V O D A at redcross.org and. Um, we'll get you guys started um, and please visit the Red Cross vi- please visit redcross.org uh, to see all the different things that you can be a part of and volunteer for with the American Red Cross and all of the great works they do across the world thank you all for, for coming in and you guys don't go anywhere we'll be, we'll be right back with the first city forum we have Rachel Breithaupt in to talk about all kinds of political things having to do with the community and, uh, and some hot conversation so uh, you'll, you'll want to call in for, for, for this one that's 907-247-2000 don't go anywhere Hello, 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 and welcome back to the First City Forum. That was uh, me by Taylor Swift and Brendan Urie. I love a little Taylor Swift magic, don't you? Can I just can I just say yes? Yes, I do. I had a <laughs> lovely time during lockdown streaming her. It was on Netflix, and now I'm losing the the name. But it was uh, she did this whole album. I mean, Taylor Swift put out like three albums. I think it was five. I, I was watching. Oh my god! I was in the shower yesterday, and I was uh, and I watched uh, a little bit of a Jimmy Fallon interview with Taylor Swift. And I guess she put out five albums during the pandemic, and she's put and she put one out yesterday. And yes. Sometimes it begins to feel repetitive. That's very difficult to not do as an artist. That's the magic of Taylor Swift. Right, right. And the magic just keeps happening. I also really appreciate the the crossover, the the kinds of people who love Taylor Swift. Uh, Ben, if you're listening, which I don't think you are. I'm not sorry for what I'm about to say because oh, it's one of the things. I, it's one of the things I love about Ben so much. <laughs> ben loves Taylor Swift. Yes. One what? of one of the first things he told me that we were just you know when it's when you first meet someone you're throwing out like kind of just oddities. Hey, you might be interested in this thing about me, and so he just was like, you know who I really like? I really like Taylor Swift, and I was like, yes. I I don't think you're alone, sir. The nation agrees. Millions of people love Taylor Swift. And guess what? I am sometimes one of them. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree with that. I am sometimes one of them. Every now and again, I love me some Taylor Swift. All right. So for for those Mm -hmm. just tuning in, we're in the studio with Rachel Breithelp. Um, Every Thursday, Rachel's going to come in and we're going to just talk about things happening in the the community. Sometimes it might be controversial. Other times it might be tame. It'll always be controversial. (laughs) Uh, So so we're going to talk about some some stuff. But right now, we're also giving away tickets. So, Rachel. Yes. 
There is a magic show happening this Thursday at the Ted Ferry Civic Center. Las Vegas legend Don Russell is coming on and giving a show for the volunteer firefighters. And we have 100 tickets at the station to give away by Friday. We have to get these tickets, tickets out. So the tickets are $10 in advance. You can find those at AMP and Safeway. They're $20 at the gate. So we don't wait until you're hearing, oh, this magic show to go and, and buy up all these tickets because you'll be paying $20. Um, or you'll pay $10 at, at AMP, but if you just call in right now, you will pay what? You'll pay nothing. <laughs> nothing. I'm giving these tickets away for free. I have what? I think I have like 15 or 18 tickets to give away. Just call in 247 <laughs> Two four seven two zero zero zero, and I will literally give you up to five of these tickets for no reason at all. Just call in, tell me your name, I'll write you down. Each ticket admits two children or one adult, and I have these to give away by Friday. So if I don't give them away by Friday, I'm just going to give them to people who I know. So call <laughs> in and claim your tickets, ladies and gentlemen. But Rachel, let's talk about some stuff. Okay. So I was re- we were reading the uh, paper just a second ago. Settlers Cove gets a makeover. Let's talk about it because uh, we were just on a little bit of a rant about how that drive was uh, not the best. Ooh, it was horrible. So one of the things that I think is your piece of contention between – couples at my house yes is driving styles of driving how fast someone drives how fast someone drives over rough terrain in a family vehicle for example uh and i will say that once the road was redone and i think it's been about a year now from here you know all the way down to like seven miles south on tongas i was so relieved i was like you mean me and Ben don't have to fight every time we take that drive. You mean I don't have to clench my teeth and look out the window, bite my tongue till it bleeds? The man's never given us a flat tire. He's an excellent driver. But I just have such a low tolerance for that feeling of going over a big bump in the road. Are you an anxious passenger? I am, Joe. I want to be driving. I would much prefer to be driving. Okay. Like every time. I I know that it's in my head. I know that a large percentage of it is in my head. Although I will say that I take those bumps at a creep crawl foot off the gas. We're (laughs) idling forward. And Ben feels that it is necessary to have some amount of foot on the gas. He's like, 10 miles an hour is fine. He says that. He's like, Rachel, I'm going 10 miles an hour. I was like, you could go five. You can go one mile an hour, Ben. You know what? We could reverse. We could literally push this car and walk through over these You get out and you push and it will be safer. So thank God Settlers Cove has saved me once again from more fights in my relationship. I really don't think that they consider that when they do these improvements but I wish they would. I think they're thinking Rachel Brighthelp needs to not argue with Ben. So let's no. fix these rules. See, I myself, I differ from you. Uh, I am a anxious driver. Oh. I am a better passenger. I have always hated driving. And I think it's because when I was learning to drive, I was taking driver's training. You know what? I learned that Ketchikan or, or maybe even Alaska in general does not have driver's training. I did not have an opportunity to take driver's training, no. Very interesting. So I was taking driver's training, and I was going through all the things. I was driving with my dad, and I was pulling out of our driveway. Mm -hmm. 
and I ended up going over our neighbor's curb. And so, oh my god, so, I thought you were about to say cat. I definitely <laughs> thought you were about to say cat. And so, you know what? It's better. It's better than a cat. It's better than a cat. Curb is better than a cat. Curb is better than cat almost every time. So, <laughs> so, so my dad starts yelling at me. I'm anxious. He's anxious. Everything's terrible. And ever since that moment, I've been afraid of driving. Well, you know, I don't see you driving. I don't drive. A big part of the reason why I even live in Ketchikan or really anywhere on the West Coast or Pacific Northwest is that you can pretty much not drive. You can walk. You can take public transport. It's it's really good here. I, I absolutely agree. I would much prefer to walk or bike whenever I'm exploring a city. Um, I think that pace allows for just a calmer contemplation. And then I think you also understand the space better. Definitely. I lived in LA for four years and then in Austin for four years. And although Austin was a bit easier because there just weren't freeways, like in LA, I relied on, this was back when we printed out MapQuest directions. Like I remember that's when I lived in LA and that's how old I am. So we would print out map and I did it every single time. I mean, I didn't oh, yes. remember how to get places. Oh, it was yes. far too complicated. No. Be- like, which be- freeway, which exit, Before how do I get there? Before you leave the house, you log onto that computer, you print out the MapQuest directions. Oh, yes, I was there when I first started driving. We were on MapQuest. Yes, darling. Yes, so yes. now, and then when I lived in Austin, that we had upgraded to smartphones. And so I did just, I just used the maps. Now, Google Maps in Ketchikan will send you straight into the ocean. <laughs> so you really do need to have a general sense around here. And walking and biking can help you do that. I agree, and you know what? It's 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 how I live my life. But so I, so we have the repairs on Settlers mm-hmm. Cove. We have the roof they're putting over the skate park, which is going to allow children to enjoy skating all year long. And you know, we were talking about this last time. I think there's so few things for kids to really just enjoy and to do here in Ketchikan, and that's really one. So being able to have them have that throughout the the year, that's gonna. I feel like it's gonna save a lot of kids' lives. I think that's a. I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point. And I know we've talked, I know the school board has mentioned, members of the school board have mentioned the mental health concerns for children that have come along with COVID. Oh, yes. And the paper also highlights the number of overdoses that have mm. jumped in the United States during COVID. Now, correlation is wow. not causation. Correlation is not causation. And so we, we always want to be careful about, oh, it's COVID or, oh, it's, you know, not COVID. You well, know. when you see a headline, overdose deaths top 100,000 in one year. It, it is important to consider the what people are overdosing from mm. as well. Um, actually, The Atlantic recently published an article that our, our director of the clinic side at the hospital, uh, Dr. Rice, he sent out to a number of the providers and included me on it. And it is a shocking article outlining the changes in the production of methamphetamine in the last mm. 10 years. And that methamphetamine, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you you had to have ephedrine. And so that was it was easier to control the sources of production, the mm. the pieces to that make up methamphetamine, because you you could control the ephedrine could make it illegal to export large quantities from mexico you could make it illegal to buy more than you know it was behind the counter right you know your cold medicine moved behind the counter now unfortunately uh the chemists who are working to create uh, methamphetamine have outsmarted this 
and can now derive the molecular compounds required to create uh, a version of methamphetamine mm. uh, using over-the-counter, like, I was reading through the article, I was like, God, it's like, you name it, like gasoline and wow. rat poison and all this crazy stuff. But the kind of methamphetamine that has now been created because of that, it's almost like a different drug. Mm -hmm. And from the mental health care perspective, what that means is people are now exponentially faster. They are achieving or their symptoms are increasing exponentially faster. And those symptoms are identical to that of schizophrenia. Wow. Like you basically are giving yourself schizophrenia in, it used to be years, like ephedrine derived methamphetamine. It was years to that point. And uh, healthcare providers and substance use counselors, those people would come in. And even if they were still coming off of a high, they were coherent. They knew who they were. They knew where they were. This new methamphetamine, people are reportedly taking months up to nine months to essentially come back to themselves mentally, to even be able to say, where am I and why did I get arrested? Nine months clean. That's nine months not using this new kind of meth. And it's so easy to produce. It has flooded the market and the price has dropped significantly. It's similar, based on what this article said, to being an alcoholic in America trying to avoid alcohol. Wow. You know what? Now that you're describing this and you're and, and you're telling me what what the, the symptoms are and what to look for, I'm realizing that a good friend of mine, uh, I won't say her name on on the air. She doesn't live here in Ketchikan. She she lives back home in um Michigan. She was experiencing these exact symptoms where she was going through very suddenly uh, uh, the the deep belief that she was the re-embodiment of Harriet Tubman and right, Selena so Quint uh, and Selena Quintanilla and all these things, mm. and she actually went through these de these de delusions for about a, a a a year before she was finally arrested after she tried to steal someone's car in mm. Georgia. Crazy stuff, and I re I spoke to her recently. Um, she was just released from uh, jail, and now she's back. And so it's 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 like she went through these things for months and months and months and months mm -hmm. up to a full year, and now she's back. So now, now I'm thinking maybe she got got a hold of something like this. She yeah, she said she possible. she she never took any drug or anything, but. I'm thinking maybe that was it because this is this is sounding identical to to her case. It's possible, and she also could have. I mean, depending on her age, like schizophrenia does show up in people in their twenties. That's not unusual. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it it does mirror those symptoms, and brain scans are pretty mirror similar. Like there's they're similar action in the brain for somebody who's high on this. I think it was, I'm going to misquote it. I think it was P2P. Anyway, they were, they were even trying to label it differently. Wow. So, yeah. I saw a Facebook post maybe five months ago, and I thought it was a weird post, but you know what? It's, 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 a, it's a real post. You know, it's, it's someone who, uh, who, who I guess will be suffering from the, uh, from the addiction. She posted that the meth that she bought burned a different color. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, and in my mind at this time, I'm like, why, well, why would you post this? You know, this is an illegal substance, but it's, but it's, uh, it's telling a, a truth that there is something different going on with the drugs that these people are are buying, and they're in their addiction, and they're in their in their illness, and they're being taken advantage of. Absolutely, absolutely, and there's not a simple answer. It's we obviously have to consider the source 
obviously have to work to stop the import um, of such dangerous chemicals. And when we've got people that are act in active addiction, we have to support their recovery, which actually brings me mentally to something else um, you and I had talked about discussing on air, Joe, which is the Revilla Island Resilience Initiative. Mm. So a RiRi for short. RiRi. I know. Bless her. I'm happy to be a part of an, of an initiative that is nicknamed after Rihanna. I mean, who wouldn't be? She's a queen. The, the nickname queen. RiRi has so many uh, generational iterations. There, Some people will call Aretha Franklin RiRi. Perfect. Rihanna RiRi. Happy about <laughs> my, it. My, my, my first thought was Aretha Franklin, yes. Oh, <laughs> all, the all the queens. All the queens. So I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of RiRi. So anyway, we had this great <laughs> brainstorming uh, session that was organized and, and run by Erica Paquette, who is the um, community programming director at Wish, which is... Mm-hmm doing Shout out to amazing Wish. stuff. Oh, yes. Like, wow, Wish. Wow. J.D. Martin and all the different people there. All the Great humans. Works. Agnes has just taken that agency and run with it. And Erica is a huge part of that. So we had this great brainstorming initiative. And essentially, it was like, okay, so in the next four to five years, our focus is trauma-informed care, trauma-informed support, essentially, like, inform people about the ACEs study and then how that affects your family, your students, your employees. And so the ACEs study is these adverse childhood experiences. And there's massive data showing that if you have a a number, the more adverse childhood experiences that you have, the higher the likelihood, not every time, but the higher the likelihood is that you'll have worser uh, adult uh, um experiences yeah so you know you're you have a harder time finding and keeping a job you have a harder time finding and keeping um, serious relationships hard time coping with your anxieties and different things like that you you know more likely to go to jail yeah i think we've a lot of us have dealt with those those adverse childhood traumas and different things you know growing up um i lived in an abusive home Mm. um my my mother had bad luck in relationships uh, often and she would meet these men who just weren't the best and mm-hmm. and so that has definitely affected the, the, the way I even view relationships. Mm-hmm. I've never even desired to really be in a long-term re- mm. re- relationship because I've seen so so much of that and uh, and, and yeah, so it, it definitely affects you and, and, it's, and it's something Absolutely. serious. So let's talk a little bit about this um, So there are protective factors, right? So that's that's what can balance a kid's ACEs score is, well, what are your protective factors? Like, okay, so maybe you, Joe, we'll use you in as, as an mm-hmm. example. You had this rough childhood. The, the home life was turbulent. And it sounds like you have these musical gifts that I imagine were at least to some extent cultivated since youth. Oh, yes. Music, uh, well, everyone in my family sings, but music was always an escape. I would throw my headphones on, turn it up to its highest volume, and just l- immerse myself and live in that space. And so going through school, did you have teachers that you felt really understood your musical aspirations and inspired you? Did you have like bands you were involved in? Did you have like extracurriculars? 
Yeah, you know what? For for me, um, the church was a big thing in in my life at yeah. that time, singing in choirs and and that kind of thing. And that's a protective factor mm-hmm. is involvement in some kind of positive community organization. It doesn't have to be church, but it certainly can be. So that's the focus of the Revilla Island Resilience Initiative. It's like, okay, we know about ACEs and we know about protective factors. So how can we get more protective factors and less adverse childhood experiences in our community? Community. And I continue to think that Ketchikan is this fascinating sociological experiment, right? Yes. We're this like tiny island, we're off the road system. You want to live here, you're going to pay for it in horrible weather for much <laughs> of the year. Bless the rainforest. I'm, I'm, I chose to live here. I'm happy to live here. I'll live here as long as my kids need to go to public school because I don't want them to go anywhere else. And Let's admit that the weather uh, today withstanding, dear God, it's, so it's gorgeous nice. out. This is this is the thing. This is what gets you days like this. Days, my, my, my friend <laughs> Diane Slagle identifies as a as a flulophile or a love a, Diane some, with something, this. Love this. something like this. She hates, hates the, the sun. sunshine. <laughs> She hates the sunshine. She loves a rainy day. The rainier, the better she is. And I, I think of Diane as a musical octopus. She's like, she's just God, in there. She, she loves is. the rain. She loves, she has her sunglasses on all the time. A, a complete icon. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we're thinking about, okay, how can we decrease the adverse experiences and increase the protective factors? One of the topics that came up during this brainstorming session was schools and in particular, paraprofessionals in schools. And I know, I know you have friends that are paraprofessionals. Right. I have friends that are paraprofessionals. The thing is, there's always paraprofessional positions open. Every, you, it doesn't matter what month of the year it is. In the summer, they're looking to find people for the coming school year. We can't seem to fill those positions. And any organization, I mean, right now, every place is hiring. But consistently, and I've lived in Ketchikan now seven plus years, going on eight years, and there's always been positions at Peace Health. There's almost always been positions at the, the school district. And so we, one of the things we know we're challenged with in Ketchikan is a fairly shallow employee pool. Mm. You know, there's just not a lot of people. Right. And the people who are coming seasonally are coming seasonally. And they might stay. I mean... Some I had a two-year plan, a and lot. I'm still here. I, I plan to stay for about a month. <laughs> and you're still here years later. So we know that Ketchikan's beautiful, and the community's incredible. I mean, there's reasons we're here, so we know it snags some people. But we also know we have this incredibly shallow employee pool. So what to do about that? Well, professionals aren't going to go quitting their jobs. I'm sorry. I can't. No. I can't afford to leave the current position I'm at that I've worked for eight years. 10, 12 years of school and training and degrees to get. Especially in a place like Ketchikan or in Alaska where some of these professional careers pay upwards of six figures. Incredible opportunity here. It's definitely one of the reasons I initially came and have stayed. And with that said, we need help in our schools. Like, there, uh, there are schools that don't have a special ed program and desperately need it. Wow. They legally need somebody in that position, but they actually can't fill it. And uh, just today in the paper, um, the superintendent, Melissa, or interim superintendent, she was talking about, yeah, we're down bus drivers because there was a COVID outbreak among, in the employees of the company that drives the kids to school. Wow. So they've had to change routes and they think those delays are going to last all the way through Thanksgiving, maybe even until Christmas. And her response to that was like, yeah, it's awful. And you know what? We're really short on staff 
in the school district and we're all exhausted. So if we only think about the solution to this problem in one way, which is, well, we need more people to come to Ketchikan so that they can fill these full-time positions, well, then we will continue to meet the same problems that we have met over and over trying to solve the problem like that, which is we're an island in the middle of nowhere off of the road system, and there's a limited number of people who are going to want to live here. That's just true. And we kind of like it. We love it. That, that's a big part of the beauty of living in Ketchikan is that we are a small, tight-knit community. Everyone knows everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows everyone's business. And we're all we're all in this together. Rachel, we have run out of time. Oh no, let me just say really quickly one yes, thing. Please. So here's the solution. The solution is to allow volunteerism to happen during paid hours. So that was my suggestion, and I actually met with the head of Peace Health today, and I'm hoping that Peace Health will spearhead this initiative. So anybody with a, a business out there, if you have employees, you could free up their time to go volunteer in the schools, but you would be best you would best serve both the schools and your employee by offering them paid leave to do that volunteering. Not unpaid leave, not paid time off out of their PTO bank. Right. That's not a gift. You give them four hours of paid leave a week. They contract. They contract with a school. The school directs them to be a classroom paraprofessional. You don't have to go in and be a sped para, but you go be a classroom paraprofessional. Your own job pays you four hours a week to go do that. The school benefits. Our kids benefit. And we've suddenly come up with a different solution besides, oh, we need more people to come and live here full time, which isn't happening. That, now, I think that's really brilliant. And, and, I, and I'm wondering if there are any tax breaks that could happen because of that. That's a great question. I mean, there's obviously hurdles. We have to figure out, you know, like it, for that agency, do they have to pay if there's a, a, an injury? You know, does, right. that, does that count for their insurance or the school's insurance? But all of that is like details that can be worked out. Yeah. Are there agencies that are willing to do it? Are there professional organizations in Ketchikan that are willing to give? And it doesn't have to be the school district. I mean, that was, you know, because I have a young child at TSAS, so that's my interest, of course. That's what where I come from. But there's plenty of places that need volunteers. But there's a, also a need for us to make our full paychecks. There we go. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you, Rachel. I love having you on. So Rachel will be mm-hmm. on every Thursday for, what should we call this segment? Straight Talk? Straight Talk. I like that. Straight mm-hmm. Talk with Rachel Brighthelp. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, I do have to mention this before we leave the air. We have a radio promotion going on right now with uh, the Passport to Puerto Vallarta. Uh, Rachel, if you go to a business, now this business change each, each week. Um, this week is Bar Harbor. So go into Bar Harbor, ask them how you can enter for the Passport to Puerto Vallarta, and It'll, and uh, you will be entered for two, uh, tickets for two, all inclusive, to the beaches of Mexico. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning into the First City Forum. <laughs> it's a lovely sun. I know the clouds are coming in. Wait, well, it's a lovely sunny. Day. It's a lovely sunny day for now. Enjoy it. Bye bye.